Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I'm your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, the laughable Alexander Collins. <laughs> How's it going, Ryan? <laughs> well, well. Uh, for those of you who are new, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this is episode four of a four-part series that we've been speaking into in regards to retirement income. Um, if this is the first time you're hearing us, hence you being new, uh, we would suggest you go back and listen to uh, episode one of this four-part series because we're about to tie in a bunch of concepts and methods that we've spoken into that this might not make 100% sense to you. Uh, if, for those of you who are not new, uh, if you haven't listened to the last three episodes, the same thing the same thing applies. Make sure you go back and listen to the first three episodes because this is kind of the wrap-up session of those episodes. What are we talking about today? We're talking about retirement income. Why should you care as a 35-year-old right now? Well, the money you're putting aside in 401ks and the, all the different accounts that you've got what does that mean for you today? And what does that mean for you in terms of actually deploying that money in retirement as well? And so we've been speaking into the different pros and cons of different methods that are out there uh, in regards to, to this issue. And that's why we're having a conversation starting today around that. Exactly. We want to start with the end in mind and then build your plan going backwards from that of, uh, okay, what does optimal look like? And then how do we uh, how do we build out an income plan for you? uh based on optimal and okay if that's where we want to get to now how do we get to that point at retirement from where we are today yeah so a real quick review on the three different methods that we've spoken into um, the first method was around uh, an interest only approach where essentially you're just kind of scraping the interest off the top of your nest egg to live on um this this method is is a traditional method that that's used so that you can keep pace with inflation as well as have a low risk about living your money. Um, it's it, it's also sometimes called like a safe withdrawal rate method, right? Or you might hear it as four, the four percent rule is another. If you googled right. that, you'd probably find that um, out there. Uh, the the second one was around amortization of our money, uh, and the amortization is a, a intentional spend down of our assets. And we spoke into the pros and cons of that. And then we uh, spoke into annuitization, which is uh, annuitizing our money, essentially kicking off a guaranteed check to us uh, for the rest of our lives. And again, we spoke into the pros and cons of that one. And then the last approach that we spoke into in the last episode was what we call the bucket approach. And this is using different buckets of your money, uh, allowing us to use maybe one bucket to actually live on for a certain amount of years while the other bucket might be a little bit more aggressive or staying more aggressive in the market for opportunity for growth, as well as some for liquidity uh, concerns or needs at that point as well. Anything you'd add, Alex? Uh, no, I, I, you did a good job of covering them, Ryan. That's the first. Awesome. <laughs> Peanut gallery didn't have anything to say. <laughs> oh, there's a joke about a blind squirrel. Some, something. Yes. There we go. <laughs> so, 
you know, let's let's talk about, and we're just going to. There's several different variables, obviously, when we're talking about retirement planning. We're going to talk about six specific financial stresses that I think, in general, most people understand, but maybe they don't kind of tie it all together um, when they're actually thinking about pulling money out of their accounts. And the first one that we generally talk into is market risk. And we're going to talk about these stresses in relation to the different methods that we've spoken about in the last uh, three episodes here. Yeah, and market risk is a huge one, uh, especially for when we're talking about retirees. Um, it, there's really kind of a couple different components to this. One is the sequence of return risk, um, and the other is just the the volatility or variability that we get in in dealing with the market. It's, uh, it's incredibly challenging to take a systematic and periodic income stream from a variable investment. Like those it's, two things don't inherently work well together. No. I mean, if, if you think about it, most Americans have gone to work every day and received a consistent paycheck where they didn't have to worry about that aspect. And then they go into retirement and now it's like a, literally a 180 of how they have to look at their money because now they have this asset this asset that is not guaranteed if they've left it in the market at least how do we how do we convert that to money and income yeah uh, and like we're again just exposing ourselves to the volatility of the stock market um and, and it's ironic when we when financial planners use the term volatility we're talking about both the upside and the downside and when clients hear about it, they really only associate the, the term volatility with the downside. Uh, and that's because the only time the term really gets thrown around is when the markets are in free fall uh, or, or they're you know, going down, crashing, whatever term you want to use for it. And so clients have this incredibly negative view of what volatility is. And that's only because... Nobody uses the term volatility when the market goes through the roof. And the volatility is needed for it to actually go through the roof. <laughs> yeah. And quite honestly, volatility is a, a friend of ours when we're in accumulation phase because it, it creates uh, the opportunity for us to, to get better rates of return for, for there to be significant performance benefits because of what's going on in, in terms of the, the swings of the market. Right. When we get to retirement, that flips. Now volatility is no longer our friend, it is our enemy because the more volatility that we experience, the more unstable, the more uncertain everything is. And the entire point and purpose of retirement income planning is to create stable, repeatable, secure income. Yep. The second stress is, and this kind of goes kind of with that, is inflation risk, right? And yeah, right. And the, you know, everyone knows this inherently. That you know, every person we've spoken to around inflation, right? A dollar today is not going to be worth a, the same dollar in thirty years. Yeah, I mean, I can remember the jokes that my dad used to tell me about a loaf of bread only costing a nickel and things of that right. nature. He's, and really old in case anybody couldn't pick it up. <laughs> Love you, dad. And, and the piece to this, while we're in our working years, right, we just make more money in general. 
to keep pace with that. So the inflation doesn't affect us in the same way as it does when we actually click over to retirement. Yeah, I mean, you hear a whole lot of talk about someone being on a, a fixed income and whether it's a pension, social security, whatever else, well, they no longer have the ability to absorb those changes in price due to, due to uh, inflation. Yep. Uh, the next stress that we talk into, and, and this is, you know, we clarified as more of a multiplier of all of these stresses is longevity risks, risk, not risks, but risk. And what we mean by longevity is, let's just face it, we don't, like if we all knew when we were going to die, financial planning and retirement actually becomes rather simple. Uh, or at least a whole heck of a lot more simple. And the issue is, is we don't know. And with medical advances that's going on right now, like who the heck knows what life expectancy is going to be five years from now, let alone 20, 30, 40 years from now. And so, yeah. good out. Uh, I was going to say, I was in a, a conference the other day where they were, uh, somebody had mentioned that uh, a, a company out of the Bay Area is four years away from curing Parkinson's. Like, who knows if that's actually true or not? But if it is, oh my God, yeah, that's amazing. This longevity only multiplies the other risks, right? The longer we live, that means the longer we have to outlast the market, if you want to look at it from that perspective, or outlast or inflation, right? If we actually have 30 years in retirement, you know, back in the day, people only had five, 10 years in retirement. Well, now it's possibility of 30, depending on when we actually retire. That's a, a completely different thing, as well as if you're living longer, well, that, we haven't gotten to the other risks, but the, there's a health risk, there's unexpected events, there's taxes. The longer we live, the longer these stresses are still there and compound. Oh, for sure. Like when Social Security was originally invented and we had a, a, an age 65 full retirement age, life expectancy was 62. <laughs> well, let, let that sink in for just a minute. Um, now we, we're looking at life expectancy for a a child being born as mid to late 80s but that's not actually the full picture and that is if you've already made it to retirement age 65 66 67 your life expectancy from there goes into mid 90s yep and one of the things that that people don't necessarily fully understand is that when you reach life expectancy that means that roughly half of the people that are in the same boat as you have passed away. Which means but you that have a 50% means... chance of you still being there. You are still in the boat. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so trying to, to take a look at it from a, a planning standpoint of like, we don't want to use life expectancy because there's a 50-50 chance that you're going to outlive that. We want to plan much further than that. Uh, usually to the point where we're looking at like 80 to 90% uh, likelihood as opposed to 50% likelihood. Yep. The next stress, and I've already kind of, I already mentioned it was the, the health aspect, right? So this could be the long-term care event, right? Where you need help taking care of yourself. Um, this could be other events that occur because you're going to, you know, Medicare isn't, free and there are other services that you may need that Medicare won't cover. 
And so the the health side of things, especially tying into how long we live and what all is going on, can really, really take a huge hit uh, to one's financial picture and assets. Well, and again, for better or worse, things like heart attacks and strokes and some of these these issues, uh, because of the advances in medical technology, they no longer kill us, which is awesome and terrible all at the same time because now we wind up you know living out uh, an extra 10 15 20 years maybe with some diminished capacity maybe not uh, but either way it, it puts a lot more financial stress and strain on on plans yep which leads to unexpected events right unexpected events we're separating health and unexpected events, right? Like how many baby boomers expected their children to graduate college and move back in with them, Oof. right? How many people in our generation, Alex, are having their parents move in with them? Yeah. Right? Like we don't know what that's going to be. That can be a huge hit to one's finances as well. And then, go ahead, Alex. Well, what happens if you just have a, random unexpected thing occur um you know my cousin lives in in nashville and they were recently hit with uh tornadoes right like oh my god like yes we have property insurance and things of that nature to help take care of a lot of that stuff and at the same time like not everything's going to be covered and we need to be understanding of that there's going to be these random things that pop up in our life that take dollars away Yep. And then la the last financial stress that we'll talk about today, uh, there are many others, but these are the, the bigger ones, I would say, that's out there. The last one is taxes. And this is a huge, and every one of our conversation around interest only, amortization, annuitization, bucket approach, like taxes was a big piece of that conversation. And that's really because of where you're putting your money today. Like the other risks we really can't really control necessarily right now when we're talking about retirement. There's pieces of it can, you can control, but the taxation risk, you can have some effect on that today. For you can your, have a dramatic effect on that. Right, for your future self. And we've spoken into this in terms of you know tax-deferred money versus tax-free money versus taxable money. So we're not going to beat the dead horse here, but taxation might be the biggest erosion of our money out there, outside of inflation possibly. And that might even be bigger than inflation. Yeah. So how how do we how does this all come together? The reason we bring up these six different stresses is so now let's talk about each one of the strategies or or um, uh, pieces that we spoke into in the last three podcasts. How did each one of these strategies control those stresses? And so we'll start on the interest only one, Alex. Sure. So uh, interest only or the the four percent rule, safe withdrawal rate. Um, that doesn't really address uh, market risk. We're, we're still out there invested in the market. Um, that's one of the components. That's one of the reasons why uh, a lot of people like it and are attracted to it. It does do a fairly good job of taking care of inflation risk. It does do a very good job of taking care of longevity, that the whole concept and design behind this is to deal with longevity. There isn't much in that approach that deals with health or unexpected events and there's just it's one it's typically one bucket of money 
or is treated like one bucket of money. And so we don't have that additional way to, to tackle those couple issues. Um, and lastly, taxes. It, this is not a particularly flexible approach. It doesn't necessarily lend itself to avoiding any of the uh, the taxes that are that come due with any of these strategies and the the creation of income, um, and and so it it tackles a couple things really well, and it tackles most of the rest not at all. Yep, you know this is essentially using all of your money to do. You have to you have to have all of that money to kick off the income. If a health event occurred and you have to tap in, and let's just say the health event costs $100,000 or $200,000 or even bigger, well, now that's $200,000 that's outside or you're taking more money out of your portfolio, which then opens up the other stresses that we were just talking about. Absolutely. So it, we, expose, we expose ourselves to market volatility. We expose ourselves to timing. And, and not only that, but if we've got – a million dollars that we're taking a 4% distribution off of $40,000 a year. And all of a sudden we take 2,200 grand out for a, a one-time health expense. Hey, okay. We no longer have $40,000 of income. We only have $32,000 a year of income. That's and a if you big take out deal. 40, right. And most people aren't going to want to stop or, or lower their lifestyle. So they're going to take out 40. But if in that same year, the market has a down year, that's a double whammy. For sure. Yeah, that, that's how this all that's how this all comes together in terms of one stress can essentially open up the other stresses that you thought was taken care of. Well, and once we start deviating from the strategy, so once we take forty thousand dollars out when we only have two hundred thousand dollars, like okay, now our strategy is broken and we're no longer using the safe withdrawal method. We're no longer using like something that is systematic and repeatable. Now we've added an entire new set of dynamics to that, to that structure. And it's really just a matter of when something is going to occur. And we wind up with that, that single point of failure in your financial plan. Yep. So let's move on to the, the second piece here, amortization and it's an and annuitization. Let's start with the amortization side, right? So from a market risk on the amortization side, right? We're spending down our assets. So the market risk, while it's still there, it's no, it's not nearly as there as say in the interest only approach. Yeah, I, you're taking money out of the market and so you're less dependent upon it. Yep, from an inflation risk standpoint, well, you're spending down your assets and if you're taking more and more money out every year or the taxation of the money gets less and less in, in our in our podcast that we did around that, your your income's actually going up every year. So that helps to take care of the inflation risk, although it still might be there. It lowers it. Yeah, it, it definitely partially addresses it. Um, Not it fully. Correct. It doesn't fully address it. Longevity, right? Longevity risk is is a big one here because when you're amortizing your money, that means you're essentially choosing when you're going to die and amortizing it from that standpoint. Well, if you live that extra year, not not so happy. Um, yeah, exactly. So we need to have like either pick really long amortization time periods or, or have some sort of combination strategy. 
health standpoint really blows this up because if you have to take extra money out of that for that one instance, now you're definitely, it blows that up. Same thing with the unexpected events. The health and unexpected events is the same thing, essentially. You just don't know what a dollar amount that's going to be. The big one that this helps on is the taxation stress. Yep. And we're talking about um, money that's not in a tax-deferred vehicle when we, when we say that because when you're taking money out of an account that is taxable, you mainly pay taxes on the growth of the account. So if you're actually spending it down, that means your tax bill is getting less and less every year, which allows your net take home to be higher. So that's a big um, stress reducer in terms of lowering taxes. Absolutely. Um, annuitization, Alex, what's, uh, sure. what's the pieces there? Uh, annuitization, we've completely taken market risk off the table. Uh, depending upon the, the structure in the annuity, we can address inflation risk. Um, oftentimes, we don't necessarily address inflation risk or not not directly um, through the use of this type of a structure. Um, longevity is completely taken off the off the table. Like we've traded a lump sum of money for a guaranteed income stream for life. That takes care of longevity. It does not take care of health or unexpected events. In fact, it can actually exacerbate those issues because now, like. When we talk about liquidity, there's almost two different types of liquidity, right? There's the, well, I can go ahead and liquidate it, to your example uh, a minute ago of you know pulling $200,000 out of that million-dollar portfolio. We can kind of cannibalize some of our, our annual income. That's, that's one type of, uh, of, of liquidity. The other type of liquidity is where we've got an asset that we're totally not planning on it's running in the background if you will um and so we would need something like that to actually pro uh, provide the liquidity for a, a health or an unexpected event and then from a taxation standpoint right it, it depends on if it's if it's money that you're moving from a retirement account where you've deferred the taxes or money that is in that taxable account that we spoken about earlier it, it, long story short, on the, the money that's tax deferred, you're always going to pay ordinary income on that. So if you annuitize it, you're still paying ordinary income. So it doesn't help from a taxation standpoint in that aspect. However, Alex, the, the taxable investment account that you annuitize is crazy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we saw an example recently of uh, a client who went from the 20% uh, 20% effective taxes down to like less than two um, in talking about this this bucket of money, if you will, um, simply by being able to uh, to annuitize it. And it was just absolutely phenomenal and amazing from a from a tax reduction strategy. Uh, the tax reduction associated with the annuitization of an asset is really, really, really big. Yeah, for those of you, uh, again, this is why we wanted you to listen to the first three. We did discuss how that tax um, standpoint is in the last episode, so make sure you listen to that to, to dive into more details that we just spoke about there. Um, last approach that we spoke about last week, well, I'm sorry, yeah, last week was the bucket approach, Alex. Yeah, so the bucket approach, I, I mean, this is where we were, we're, we're spreading our assets into three different buckets. 
Uh, from a market risk standpoint, it is designed to take market risk off the table. It does okay. We're still exposed to the market. We're still exposed to uh, the timing of when we shift the buckets around. Um, again, as we discussed last week, uh, inflation, it does a fairly decent job of, of addressing inflation, um, assuming that our strategy actually works. Um, and what I, what I mean by what I say there is that last bucket is designed to grow over time. And if that last bucket does what it's supposed to, we should dramatically outpace inflation. And that is going to be the solve for all of the other dollars that are within that, that bucket approach. In terms of longevity, uh, it does fairly well there. Uh, health and unexpected events, it does okay. Um, again, we go back to that concept of whether we have uh, truly free liquidity or whether we have partial liquidity. Um, truly free liquidity is we're not planning on using those assets for anything. It's a backstop to our plan, whereas uh, the partial liquidity, if we spend down some of those assets, now we've affected our income streams, and that, that can be a pretty big issue. So this is a partial answer for both of those two stresses uh, from the bucket approach. Uh, lastly, from a taxation standpoint, this doesn't really address taxes too much. Um, it's certainly designed in such a way to try and be a little bit more tax efficient um, than, say, just taking interest only or the safe withdrawal method. Uh, but at the same time, there's there's no built-in tax savings beyond uh, trying to keep the dollars invested and have them grow over time. Yep. So what what does this all mean? Obviously, every one of those strategies did not solve for just the, even those six stresses. So right. I guess the point that we're trying to drive home here is not one of those is the best. Um, as Alex will chime in, and I'm just going to take the words out of his mouth, it always depends on your situation. Um, but again, no strategy is the best strategy. Now, some of those strategies sound worse than others, and it just depends on what we're looking to do with our money, frankly. What we're suggesting is really when you get to retirement, it should be some version of all, almost all three. Yeah. And when you tie all three together, now you're you're getting some you're getting some tax efficiencies. You're having liquidity for those type of long those events that you just don't expect to happen, whether it be family or health. Um, it, it helps solve for longevity risk. It helps solve for inflation risk. It helps solve for market risk. And when I say solve, I, I don't. It, there's nothing that solves everything out there. It just lessens the risk. Yep. And ideally, go ahead, Alex. Uh, it's the the combination where, like, if we have you know two different uh, structures and one of them does really well with market risk and inflation and taxes, and the other one does really well with longevity, health, and unexpected events. By putting those two things together, now we've got, you know, something where, okay, for, you know, the first problem or for the, for market inflation and taxes, we use the first vehicle to tackle that issue. And for longevity, health and unexpected events, we use the second structure to, to tackle that. And so we're, we're kind of getting the best of both worlds by doing that. 
And so what we're after when we do this planning is sitting down and identifying, okay, what does your situation call for? And how do we build out a plan and a model that is going to maximize all of the benefits and minimize all of the drawbacks because we've got another place that, that is that, that is absorbing that that shock, that issue, that stressor. So one thing that we haven't spoken about here, and this really, I, I think this is a key that ties everything to, together, Alex, when, when we're speaking with our clients. I would I would state that most people that we sit down with, right, the, the conversation's always, you know, whether or not you're 35 or even 65, some version of rate of return conversation comes into that, that equation. Uh, early on, in your, if you're 35, you're trying to get the rate of return. And when you're 65, <laughs> you're trying to... You're trying to get a return, but minimize the risk greatly, typically at that point. Yep. And, but normally, in general, in retirement planning, some most of our money is still sitting in the market. It could be a bunch of bonds, right? But it's still market-based asset. And so, what we don't typically see, and this kind of unlocks a lot of things in financial planning, is do we have a step, what I call a steady eddy asset in the background? So some asset that is tax efficient and that has some guarantees built inside of it where it's always going to grow, maybe not be a 8% growth rate of return, which by the way, if that existed, you know, that would solve a lot of things, but maybe it's 3% or 4% or something like that sitting there. If we have that asset that's growing in the background, that can become what Alex and I call the backstop to our portfolio that takes and lessens a lot of these stresses that we just spoke about. Yeah, it's the permission slip to use our other assets differently, whether that's uh, the permission slip to spend down our assets through amortization of an asset or to, to buy some additional guaranteed pension dollars through uh, the annuitization concept. Like, and really what this does is it almost combines these couple different approaches. And so we've got, you know, different buckets. So we're using the bucket approach, but at the same time, we're also doing it dramatically different than the way in which most folks actually uh, implement the bucket approach. And so we're, we've got some amortization and some annuitization going on. We've, we've got um, some dollars that we're just taking an interest, uh, interest only, uh, withdrawal rate off of and then there's there's like you said assets that are sitting in the background that that provide the permission slip to do all these things and provide the additional liquidity so that when unexpected life events occur we've got a way to handle it so for those of you who are nowhere near retirement starting all of these different buckets that we're talking about retirement accounts this this permission slip asset that's sitting in the background Roth accounts, taxable accounts, all these different buckets, setting them up now, not only sets you up for today from a liquidity standpoint and having access to funds or as people are talking about now, financial freedom, right? Yep. And I, I say that not to, 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 to denigrate any of that, but it's more of you control, like I'm, I've always been in the opinion and Alex agrees with me, you control your, your finances. Yes, you do. Right. So that in and of itself, when you take that control, that provides the financial freedom right there. So having all of these and taking those steps right now to build out your blueprint for your house right now allows everything to come together so much smoothly and control when you get to where you're going. 
Absolutely. So uh, the big question of the day is in the, the last four podcasts that we've been talking about the creation of income and retirement. What is your biggest takeaway? What is the, the biggest aha moment that you had as Ryan and I walked through this? So visit us at beerandmoney.net. And if you scroll to the bottom, there's a way to uh, provide your name and send us a note um, to answer that question. Or if you have questions yourself that you want us to talk about on the podcast, or if you want to set up uh, a meeting with us, feel free to reach out to us that way. We've already gotten quite a few responses. No one's really actually at, uh, answering our question of the day here, Alex. But the one thing we are getting, and I appreciate that, is phone calls as well as different messages um, essentially thanking us for these podcasts. So that is so awesome that we've got those. Thank you for those of you who have reached out to us for that. Uh, that means someone's listening to our podcast, Alex. <laughs> so, the downloads keep going up. Yes. So thank you again. If you have any questions, reach out to us. And as always, cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. LSJ3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 9093991100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-96586, expiration March 2022.